Good morning, church family. How are we today? You are the faithful, beloved of God who overcame the rain and showed up. Thank you. Give yourselves a hand. I think when Baptists got baptized, it scared them of rain. I don't know, but it is good to see you. Today, we're going to talk about how to do life, how to live in a culture that is sinful, that embraces sin and celebrates it. I think we can agree that our culture today does celebrate sin. Not all sin, but a lot of sin and embraces it. Would you agree with that? There's, there's, that's, that's where we are as a culture. And uh, I remember when I was young, I was talking to, I, I talked to businessmen or I would listen to them. And the one thing that was very common years ago was small businessmen, companies, institutions wanted to avoid controversy at all costs. Um, they, they didn't want to lose any customers. They didn't want to lose customers in this group or that group. They wanted everybody to shop at their business. And so they wouldn't take stands on a lot of issues, political issues, because they didn't want to offend anybody. Now, today, seems like it's just the opposite. If you've been keeping up with anything, I mean, man, Target's been all over the news this week, right? And uh, their, their value as a company is maybe temporarily, but it's down. For the past few weeks, all we've heard about is Budweiser, Bud Light, and they've lost a lot of money. And now, the largest lay Catholic organization in the country is wanting to boycott the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I could go on and on with how businesses and institutions and groups are, I mean, they're taking stands on this, they're embracing that, and, and so much of it is embracing and celebrating lifestyles and decisions that God says are sinful. And it's simply an evidence our culture is doing it. So here's the question. What are you and I supposed to do? Those of us who want to be faithful followers of Jesus, how are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to act? What are we supposed to do in this culture? I believe the prophet Zephaniah in your Old Testament can help us. So open your Bible there. And if you are doing the Bible reading plan with us, we read the three chapters of Zephaniah this week. I'm going to focus on chapter 2. Now Zephaniah was a prophet who lived and preached about, oh, maybe 20 to 50 years before God brought judgment, poured out his wrath on the nation, the southern kingdom of Judah. And we've been talking about that in recent weeks in our reading of Jeremiah and so on that uh, the Babylonian Empire became dominant and there were three separate deportations of Jewish people taken into exile from Jerusalem as, as Judah became subservient to Babylon. There was a deportation in 609 B.C., one in 598-97 B.C., and a third one in 587-86 B.C. when Jerusalem was destroyed. And Jeremiah, Zephaniah, and other prophets make it clear that happened to the nation of Judah because of her rebellion against God because of her sin. It was God pouring out his wrath, pouring out his judgment upon the nation of Judah. And it had gotten so bad that Zephaniah, in chapter 2, verse 1, said, O nation without shame. 
as, as if nothing caused Judah to blush. I mean, there, were, there just weren't sins anymore that, that embarrassed them. And doesn't that sound in many ways like America today? That's, that's where we live. And so what are we supposed to do? Because Zephaniah chapter 1 describes God's judgment on the nation of Judah and the Jewish people for their sin. Most of chapter 2 describes God's judgment on some of the nations that bordered Judah. And he used the Babylonian army to judge all of those nations. But in the middle of those verses, you find verses 2 and 3. And God there is talking to that faithful minority, that faithful remnant who haven't worshipped other idols, who haven't been guilty of all the sins that the nation was guilty of. They were his people and they were faithful and they were obedient. And, and God says, I have a message for you. And it begins in verse 2 with a warning. Notice in verse 2 three times the word before. Before the decree takes effect, before God's judgment comes, before the burning anger of the Lord comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes. He says, hey guys, judgment's coming. Judah is not going to escape it. Before that happens, here's what I want you to know. Here's what you do. Here's how you live. Now, Judah's sin was not recent. Last several weeks, reading Jeremiah and Kings and Chronicles, you saw the pattern. There'd be a good godly king, and things would be a little bit better, and he would die, and then you'd have two or three really evil kings. And the nation would go crazy. They'd worship idols. There was a lack of justice in their judicial system. There, there were just sexual sins. It, it, it just became chaos. There was syncretism. In other words, they would still go to the temple and bring their sacrifices, but then they'd go and worship other religions, other philosophies, and kind of intermingle them. You know, what's true for you is true for you, but not for me. And what's true for me, you know, and on and on. How America is today, just blending, creating your own belief system that was very popular with those who went to the temple. And and God said, no, you're rebelling against me when you're doing that. It's, it's sin, and that, and 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 they're not. Their, their refusal to give their whole heart to God by worshiping these other idols and so led to all the all the social unrest, led to all the sexual perversion, led to led to the economic chaos and the injustice in their judicial system, all of that. And it, and and it'd been going this way for generations. I mean, not just a, a, a decade or two, but for generations, decade after decade after decade. And and the religious people were guilty of. And God says, that's it. Judgment's coming. Judah, Jerusalem, you're going to be judged. You'll feel my wrath. And in 587 B.C., Babylon leveled Jerusalem to the ground, burned the temple. And in those three deportations, only the poorest of the poor, small minority, a remnant, remained behind in the promised land. And think about America today. The way we embrace and celebrate some sins in the last couple of decades it started before that but has really exploded in the last couple of days our embrace and and uh of, of sexual perversion and 
many, not all, but many liberal churches embrace that. Most conservative churches fight against it. But I think about America's past. Going back just a few generations ago to the days of slavery and more recently segregation and Jim Crow laws. A stench in the nostrils of God as strong as the stench of today's sexual perversions. But then it was the conservative churches that tended to support those systems and the liberal churches that tended to fight against them. And the point is, we've been a sinful nation in many ways for a long, long time. It's not new. What we embrace maybe has changed. But the sin has been there for quite some time. And maybe, I, I'm not a prophet. I'm not saying this is the case. I don't know. But maybe, just maybe, we are already under God's judgment. The beginning, We're beginning to see God's judgment in our country, and we don't recognize it. What are we supposed to do? As disciples of Jesus Christ, how are we supposed to live? Well, he warns them in verse 2 and says, hey, but before it comes, here's what you need to know and do. Verse 3, verse 3, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Say that out loud with me, church. Seek the Lord. Again, one more time. He says that's what you're supposed to do. Seek the Lord. He goes on in verse 2. All you humble of the earth who have carried out his ordinances, his judgments, decisions, his, his laws, if you will. And then seek righteousness. Seek humility. And perhaps, perhaps you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Zephaniah talking to God's people, the humble of the earth who have carried out his ordinances, who have obeyed God, been faithful to God. And I hope that's you. Now, just because you're here doesn't mean it's you. Because they were religious and went to the temple, but they weren't seeking God with all their heart. They weren't obedient and godly and faithful. You, you can be here and not be faithful. He's talking to the faithful, but I hope that includes you. It needs to include you. You need to be part of that group. He's saying to those of you who are, who are faithful and obedient, he says, here's what you do in the midst of everything going on in the nation around you. You keep seeking the Lord. And you seek righteousness. And you seek humility. That's what we do. But did you notice the perhaps in that verse, the maybe? Perhaps you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Perhaps. There's no guarantee America can be saved. There's no guarantee that those who are faithful to Jesus will not suffer when he judges a nation. When judgment came to Judah and Jerusalem, 
In 609 B.C., there was a young teenage boy who loved God, carried away as an exile to Babylon. His name was Daniel, and he never came home again. When God judged Judah in 597, 598, through there, in that second deportation, there was a young man in his 20s who was a priest and a prophet named Ezekiel, and he was carried as an exile to Babylon, and he never made it back to Jerusalem or Judah again. When that third deportation took place in 587 to 86 and Babylon burned Jerusalem to the ground and destroyed the temple and carried away the majority of the citizens, Jeremiah lived through it all in the promised land, saw it all, and it broke his heart. We need to hear what Jesus' disciple Peter, the apostle, said in his first letter in our New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 17 and following, when he said, it is time for judgment to begin where? With the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? It'll be worse for those who don't obey. Verse 18, and if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved... What will become of the godless man and the sinner? More severe for them. In verse 19, Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God. Let's, let's stop there for a moment. Those also who suffer according to the will of God. You're not going to hear the TV preachers talk about that. You don't preach on that if you want to get a lot of amens and draw a big crowd. But sometimes when righteous individuals live among a sinful people, when those who are, who are devoted to the Lord live in a culture that God will judge, sometimes his judgment upon the nation means the individual disciple will suffer. When America is blessed and does well, guess what? We're blessed. And when America does badly, guess what? We sometimes hurt, right? That verse goes on to say, those also who suffer according to the will of God, what do they do? They shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator. They shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. What do we do? As disciples living in this messed up sinful culture, we trust Jesus and we do what is right. We trust Jesus and we do what is right. We trust Jesus and we do what is right. That is what we do no matter what happens around us and no matter the circumstances. That's what Zephaniah is saying. In chapter 2, verse 3, when he said, Seek the Lord and seek righteousness seek humility did you notice that seek occurs three times in verse three just like before occurs three times in verse two god matches the warning with the admonition 
do this, do this, do this. Seek, seek is, is what you pursue. It's what you chase. It's what you go after. It's what you long for. It's what you want. It's a burning passion. And, and because it's that way, you never give up and you never quit. And he says, what, what you feel that way about is the Lord. You seek the Lord. You keep chasing Jesus. And you never quit. That's where it all starts. Everything else grows out of that. And Jeremiah, a great prophet in chapter 29 of his prophecy, verse 13, God speaking through Jeremiah said, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. No, no place for half-hearted spirituality. No place for half-hearted devotion to God. Enter into the presence of God with an intentional desire, an intentional effort to worship Him and submit to His will. Because if God has your heart, He has your life. And if God has your life, He has your actions. Seek the Lord and other things will fall into place. Do you know what America needs? You know what America needs? It needs for us to love Jesus. America needs people who love Jesus. America doesn't need any more religious people. America doesn't need any more people who simply go to church. America doesn't need any more people who have a, a list of do's and don'ts, things they're for and things they're against. America needs you and me to love Jesus, to love Jesus. They need to know we're more than church people and religious people. They need to know we love Jesus. Seek the Lord. When was the last time you bowed your head? Or got on your knees or lay on the floor and said, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus, I adore you. And Jesus, I worship you. Seek the Lord. And the second seek in that verse is seek righteousness. In the Old Testament, Righteousness was the idea of, of doing right toward those with whom you had a relationship. Doing right toward God. Doing right toward others. And doing right toward God means I, I recognize that God is the one who determines what is right, what is wrong. God is the one who sets the expectations, and, and I do those. Doing right toward others as someone who is right toward God means I treat them the way God wants me to. I, I, I treat them with, with ethics and integrity. I, I treat them with fairness and justice and honesty. Think, think about the Ten Commandments. The first four of the Ten Commandments, how we treat God. The last six of the Ten Commandments, how we treat other people. That's righteousness. 
And he says, you seek the Lord and you seek righteousness. You seek to treat God and treat others the way God wants. Because when you seek him and he has your heart and he has your life, that's what you want to do. It's just the overflow and the outgrowth of having been in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You seek him and therefore you seek righteousness. And you know what America needs? America needs people who who love Jesus. But America needs people who live like Jesus. America needs you and me, needs us to live like Jesus. Now, I, I, I know I can never live up to the perfection of Jesus Christ, and you can't either. But we can emulate Jesus. We can follow his example. We can grow so that our demeanor becomes more like his demeanor. Our outlook becomes more like his outlook. We can be genuine, consistent. We can be honest and above reproach. We, we can allow our relationship with Jesus to impact every aspect of our lives. This week I was talking with a woman. She told me about... Uh, she had recently stopped at a store and done some shopping and had all of her stuff on the conveyor and the clerk was checking her out. And while that was happening, you know those small refrigerators, they, they, they keep there to tempt you to buy something cold to drink while you're checking out just to get extra money from you? So she reached in, pulled out a Coke, finished checking out, paid for stuff, got in the car, started driving away and realized she had not paid for her Coke. You know what she did? She turned around, went back to the store. Went in, explained it to the clerk, and paid for it. And the clerk said, nobody else would have done that. And she said, well, I, I did this because that's what my Lord would expect me to do. So when you look at all the research and the surveys, most people in this country who don't go to church, who don't know Jesus, who aren't disciples, when they look at church people, that's not the image they have. And that's part of the problem. America needs you and me to love Jesus and needs us to live like Jesus, to not just be church people, not just be religious people, but be Jesus people. And brothers and sisters, there's a difference, but it will bless our nation if we love Jesus and live like Jesus. And there's a third and final seek in verse 3. Seek humility. Now what in the world is humility? A clue is given in verse 3 when he says, All you humble of the earth who have carried out his ordinances. We know what that means. Humble of the earth, those at the bottom of the heap who have little or no power, little or no influence, can be easily pushed around. The supposed nobodies of society. That's the humble of the earth. What is spiritual humility? It's me coming into the presence of God, recognizing <laughs> he's God and I'm nobody. 
I'm not worthy of the cross. I don't bring I don't bring anything to the table. I'm not worthy of Jesus, but he loves me. And on the cross, he reached from heaven to me in my pitiful state and lifted me up and said, you're somebody because now you're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my servant, you're somebody now because of me, Jesus said. That's humility, and I can never forget that. Neither can you. It means I'm his servant. And I'm submissive to him and his will for my life. You see, humility, humility always shows up in obedience. That's the reason in verse 3 he said, the humble of the earth who have carried out his ordinances, his judgments, his decisions, his laws, if you will. Humility shows up in obedience. Disobedience is pride. Humility before God means I'm willing to wait on God. It means I'm willing to be guided by the Lord. Humility toward others means I grow in my ability to show them grace and kindness, even when it's hard to do so. That, that even when I stand for truth and speak truth i don't do it with arrogance and anger i do it with love and clarity and our culture doesn't have much of that right now it's desperately needed do you understand that you and i as the people of god can show the people of our nation how to live But only if we live it, only if we model it, our nation needs us to be people who show love for Jesus, who live like Jesus, and who love like Jesus, even when standing for righteousness, even if they reject him and reject us in the process. And the truth is, God has told us to do it this way because his way is the only way that ever works. We don't do God's work acting like the world. We can have a positive impact on our culture. This is the day God has put us here. You know, I like history, and sometimes I wonder what it would have been like to pastor a church in the 50s and 60s. Some ways it would have been easier. In other ways, I think it would have been harder. But that's irrelevant because this is the day the Lord has made. This is the day he's put me. This is the day and place he's put you. This is the place and time we are to live. How do we do it? How do we live in 2023 in this America? We do it like Jeremiah did. Spent his whole life in Judah seeing his home country destroyed. Preaching the truth, loving the people, saying God's judgment's coming, giving them hope in the midst of despair. 
and they put him in jail. They threw him in an empty well. But he never quit. He never changed. He kept seeking God. And he kept being faithful. Do you know how Jeremiah's life ended? Against his will, he was taken by force to Egypt after Jerusalem was destroyed. And that's probably where he died. But you and I have the blessing of reading Jeremiah today and being encouraged and warned. Jeremiah talked about the future and and God brought a remnant of the Jewish people back to the promised land as Jeremiah had said would happen. How do we live today like Daniel? That teenage boy who in 609 B.C. was carried from his home in Jerusalem to Babylon and never ever saw his homeland again. But there in Babylon, in that foreign country, he stayed true to his God. When a law was passed saying it was illegal to worship or pray to anyone except the king of Babylon, old Daniel hit his knees three times a day and prayed to his God and was thrown in the lion's den. But God raised him up. And did you notice in Daniel, he always interacted with, the, with his Babylonian authorities with, with humility and with grace as he stood for truth. And God elevated Daniel to a place of influence among the leaders of Babylon. How do we live in this day and culture? We do it like Ezekiel. A young man probably in his 20s when in 597 he and his wife were deported to Babylon and he died there. Not long after arriving there, his wife died. He spent his remaining years preaching to the people. Saying, stop fighting God. God's judging our nation, but if we repent, God has a plan for our future and he's going to bring us back to the promised land, not us, but our grandchildren. They had him arrested, but he obeyed God through it all. How do, how do you and I, how do you and I as disciples of Jesus live in a culture that embraces and celebrates sin? We do it like Jeremiah. We do it like Daniel. We do it like Ezekiel. We do it like Zephaniah said. We seek the Lord. We seek righteousness. We seek humility. We love Jesus. We live like Jesus. We love like Jesus when we stand for truth, when we go to work, when we go to school, wherever we're at, we do it like Jesus. I don't know what God is going to do in America. I I don't know if we're already under his judgment or at least we're at the beginning of it. I think maybe we are, but what, what I know is whatever happens, we do this. We entrust our souls to God and do right. We seek him. We seek righteousness. We seek humility. We do this. That's what I know. And there's one more thing I know. One more thing I know. There is an even greater day of wrath that is definitely coming in the future.
And it's not a day of wrath for a nation. It's a day of wrath for humanity. It's the great white throne judgment when every man and every woman will stand before God and answer for what they have or have not done with Jesus. Answer for whether they have committed their lives to Christ, sought Jesus, and submitted to Jesus an individual judgment, but it's a greater day of wrath. The Apostle Paul in his New Testament letter to the Romans in chapter 2, verse 5, described it this way. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, those who refuse to come to Jesus, refuse to seek the Lord, refuse to repent, you are storing up wrath for yourselves in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Are you ready for that day of wrath? I'm not talking to America now. I'm talking to you individually. Are you ready to stand before God on judgment day? When God judged the nation, bad things happened to the nation. He said to his people who were seeking him, perhaps maybe you might be spared some of the suffering, but perhaps maybe you will suffer. When it comes to the individual judgment, the great white throne judgment, that greater day of wrath, when you stand before God, there is no perhaps. There's only certainty. Because if you stand there as someone who has come to Christ, you are sheltered in the arms of Christ. He will look at you and say, you are my son. You are my daughter. You do belong to me and you are safe. There's no fear that day. There's no perhaps that day. You are secure. And he will say, enter into the joy of your Lord. But if you stand there that day, having not come to Jesus, having not sought Jesus, having not submitted to Jesus, there's no place you can hide. There's no protection. Because the only safe place on the day of that wrath is to be in Jesus Christ. Are you in Christ? I'm going to ask us all over this room to make spiritual decisions right now. That means I'm asking you, each and every person, there are men and women and teenagers and children in this room and you've never come to Jesus. Those watching on live stream and television, you've never come to Jesus. You can right now because he's inviting you. He will welcome you. And those of you in this room, I'm going to ask you when our pastors stand here at the front and we stand and sing, I'm asking you to make your way to this altar. Come to one of these pastors and say, right now, I'm coming to Jesus. I want to be ready for the day of wrath, the day of judgment. I want to be forgiven. I want to know Jesus and love Jesus and live for Jesus. I want him in my life and I want to be his. You come to Jesus. Those of you who've already done that, God is speaking to you in different ways. And at this altar is a kneeling bench.
I'm asking you to come and get on your knees at this kneeling bench and answer what God is asking you. To seek Him. Some of you need to be more intentional about seeking the Lord and loving Him. Some of you need to be more intentional about righteousness and treating people right and obeying God. Some of you need to be more intentional about humility because you've got too much anger and too much arrogance in you and not enough humility and tenderness and kindness. Others need to join this church or ask for baptism. I want us to stand all over the room. Everyone's standing. The team is coming to lead. Pastors are coming to the altar quickly. I'm going to pray. When I say amen, I want you to begin walking. As soon as I say amen, you just leave where you are and come to this altar. Come to one of the pastors and make your decision for Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that in your word you give us the good news and the hard news. That you love us enough to call us draw us and I pray for every person right now that is feeling the tug of your spirit upon their heart and in their mind I pray God right now you give them the strength and the boldness to obey to respond to come in Jesus name amen you come now start walking as we sing come on quickly come now come to the altar come to a pastor come now